Hello, I'm Carrie Gard and welcome to Tea Time with Tech Marketing Leaders. Welcome back to season 11. On this episode, I hang out with Nazna Kim, where we discuss PR and what great PR looks like when it comes to finding your partners. This conversation is so good because she's so candid, which makes for a really honest conversation. And given the current state of events, we all need a good dose of honesty, especially when it comes to cybersecurity. Speaking of cybersecurity, Naz is an award-winning communication strategist at the and the director of global marketing communications at Keeper Security. She comes equipped with more than a decade of experience orchestrating integrated communications campaigns for a diverse number of technology companies. And she really brings that experience to the table here in this conversation. It's it was just awesome. She was just, she was just awesome. So here's, here's my conversation with Naz. Hi Naz, thanks for joining me on Tea Time with Tech Marketing Leaders. Thank you. Hi Carrie, nice for having me. Yeah, so excited to have you. And you're in the UK, so this is actually great because we're like just on the same time zone, which is unusual and awesome. So exactly. And we're uh, both Americans. <laughs> Small world, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. Expats for life. Here we go. It's going to be great. Um, before, before we get started, uh, you know, you, you've teased it out. So now we need to hear the whole thing. Tell us your story, Naz. What do you do and how'd you get there? Oh man, that's a long story. Um, well, I, Got into PR probably over 15 years ago. Uh, you know, right out of college, I worked as a sales assistant where I was a cold caller. I thought I was going to be a marketing assistant, but, you know, I was required to make like 250 calls a day, setting up appointments. And it was a kind of an environment where like people would go to lunch and not come back. So I lasted for about eight months and made so much cash. And then I realized I don't have any problem with rejection. <laughs> <laughs> so then I went to grad school and I was on a student visa H1B. So what that means is like you have one year to um, find work that will sponsor you, that will you know get your work visa. Um, so after doing my master's in management, I had no idea what I want to do with myself. Because I was kind of good at a little bit of here and there, all of those things. But I was really like, I have no idea what I want to do. I studied marketing and then business. So back in those days, I think it was about like 2004, there was Craigslist. That's how you found jobs. <laughs> <laughs> and after about writing uh, cover letters for about three months, that was really excessive. I saw this one ad that said, email us re re your resume if you want to learn PR. And I remember this very specifically, it was 8.30 in the morning. I was really angry. I had no idea what to do. And all I said was, I want to learn PR. Here's my resume, which had nothing on it because, you know, I didn't, I, I, I didn't really work during school because I, I didn't have the right to. Um, so then that afternoon, I get a phone call and I'm like, this, this has to be scam, like scenario. Turns out it's the second largest tech PR firm in Chicago. 
So I, I drive out to the suburbs uh, and I meet with Steve Simon, who is probably my mentor. Got, uh, he, he's, he's passed away a few years ago, but he was the type of guy who would close a uh, press meeting. He would you know, put a client on CNN with just like a 30 second phone call. So he, you know, on my first day, I remember I was handed out a pitch of a suitcase and was told to call every radio station and just read it. And I was like, okay, okay. I guess this is what PR is because what they teach you in school, you know, I took PR 101, et cetera. They make you do campaigns for McDonald's or Starbucks or et cetera. And that's not what real life is. <laughs> real life is full of um, small companies who want to get their brand out there. And most of the time, in my experience, um, I'm not a corporate person. <laughs> so what I learned in school, I'm actually, it's completely different than what I'm doing in real life. Um, <laughs> that right. so I, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, but you know what, uh, I miss bonus school. And if I had the time, I would just go back just to take the classes that I want. Um, I liked writing papers, but, um, you know, three months at SSPR in Chicago, my clients were uh, all tech, uh, consumer and B2B. And I didn't know this about, uh, myself at the time. While consumer tech is really fun and I had clients like Kitchen Gadgets and, uh, you know, my company Wild Charge was the first wireless charger for BlackBerry. And it was uh, picked, you know, Time Magazine's 100 Best Inventions. Years later, I saw that on Black Mirror. So those are the type of cool accounts I had. But what interested me was the B2B side. So talk to me about, like, green data centers, cloud computing, uh, you know, chip architecture and all that stuff. And so that's where my sweet spot is, which is funny because over the years, every time I get a job or I talk to a recruiter or a job hunter, they're like, wow, you, you're genuinely like interested in about this. If I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so that's how I kind of got into PR. You know, uh, I, I worked there for about a year and a half. And then I said to Steve, I said, look, I'm from Istanbul, Chicago. It's kind of like a small town. I want to explore. I want to move to New York. He's like, all right, you know, let's move you to New York. So me and a colleague of mine, he found us some office space, moved to New York. And then from then on, you know, I got other jobs. I worked at a bunch of PR agencies. New York is tough. I lived in New York for about 15 years. You know, they say if you make it 10 years in New York, you're a New Yorker. So I consider myself a New Yorker. longer than me. Oof. <laughs> How uh, long did you last? <laughs> I only made it two years. So 15. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah that's, that's impressive. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but, you know, I learned a lot and it's that New York state of mind that's actually compared with the Turkish state state of mind, which is like. Um, Turks are built on common sense. Um, and then, you know, mix that with the New York directness mm-hmm. and like, <laughs> you know, you just exist. No one really cares who you are unless you are someone. And unless you accept that, you're not going to last there. <laughs> um, and then, you know, I, I came to a point in my career, I worked both agency and in-house. And I came to a point in my career, 
unless I was making a lot more money in New York, I was never going to move out of the apartment that I had, and which is, I had a garden in Brooklyn, but, you know, like New York lived its course for me. Um, and then, you know, my, my husband, funny enough, found a job in Chicago where I went to school and worked. So we moved to Chicago. And then in the middle of the pandemic, we uh, moved to London. <laughs> So, so in so, a nutshell, that's my story. <laughs> um, so where are you now? You're still in PR. Are you in-house? So so I so I work uh, yeah, so I work for Keeper Security. It's a cybersecurity uh, company. And I found that when I moved to Chicago, uh, I can uh, you know I've consulted for a bit, but I was looking for the right opportunity. Um, and I saw this ad like probably two and a half years ago. And it's a password management company, uh, but they have a big B2B platform, whatnot. So I've been working for them, doing the, all their corporate comms, thought leadership. So my role has evolved from PR to more uh, to include like content. I execute webinars. I manage three agencies, um, which is good and bad because, you know, I speak the language of PR and I could write you a 10 page report about drinking tea and you would, you'd be like, Oh yeah, that's totally legit. Yeah. I would buy that. Uh, but so when PR agencies do that to me, I don't buy that. <laughs> <laughs> Cause I'm like, yeah, so I know you're following up, but what exactly happened? <laughs> so, uh, okay. and, and the funny thing is the current agency I'm working at, um, is the agency I used to work for about 12 years ago, and they're still the same team. So oh, wow. it's, it is it is indeed a small world, yeah. Oh, wow. That's so cool. Um, yeah. I, I want to get into our conversation because I think uh, I don't get to talk to a lot of people in PR, and, and I know that especially the smaller tech companies and the people we're talking to right now, um, have an element of PR that they're doing and they probably want to grow that. So I'm excited to get into sure. that with you. But before we do that, um, I always like to ask the question because we're all human and it's nice to not feel alone in this big wide world uh, in the middle yeah. of the pandemic. Um, you know, what's one challenge you're currently facing? Um, probably uh, consumer PR has really um saturated market there is a lot of products out there so uh good consumer agencies are hard to find <laughs> that's the one challenge i'm facing uh i wouldn't say i'm facing that many challenges because i don't think that would i'm not in crisis comms there's a reason i don't want to go into crisis comms and as long as i work for the companies there won't be any crisis but um, you know, the company I work for is really open to suggestions. Uh, our CEO is great. He, you know, he's like, let's do it. Whatever you want to campaign, you want to go execute it. So I have, I'm lucky like that. Uh, I worked at companies where, you know, CMOs want reports about reports. And I just find that uh, that kind of bureaucracy is really hinders your job. So I'm more of a, yeah, I'll, I'll write up a, I'll, I'll write up a report, but I'll, I'd rather get the job done rather than explain to you for ten hours why you think this is gonna work. Um, so I'm, I'm looking that sense. So I, 
I would honestly say I don't really have any challenges right now. <laughs> knock on wood. No. Yeah, knock on wood. Yeah. No, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah. The agency life in general, and, and yeah, it, it, it's. And and B two C, you know, it, it's yeah. it's like um, it, the editorial world has also become a bit lazy. Like they they used to take a lot more interviews. Now they take a lot more bylines or written quotes, or they'll rewrite a press release. Which um, you know, I get that a lot. But with consumer stuff, it's like unless you have a cool product which you can send to the editor and then he gets to keep it, etc. That's the way to do it, you know. I've I've pitched CES multiple times, and <laughs> you know, just goes yeah, yeah. Which is why I'm not in consumer or beauty, PR or fashion. I I just I, I don't know. <laughs> well, I'm with you. Uh, yeah. While you're talking, I was like, nerd alert. We're total nerds. Yeah. We love and, I also like understanding things. You know, it's uh, if I was smarter, I'd. You know, I'd probably be a programmer, someone, scientist, some sort, but I'm not good at math and, you know, I'm good at strategy and I'm good at figuring things out. So, and, and I like to have a social, and I like to have a social life. <laughs> yes to that. Yes yeah. to that. You know? <laughs> yeah. No, it's a, yeah, it's a whole, yeah. No. That's a whole different podcast there, Nas. Um Yeah. Let's uh we can do part two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Clearly, yeah, clearly we have to do part two. Um, now let's talk about this because I think PR is really interesting. Uh, and and I don't get to talk about it all that often. So sure. I'm I'm yeah. I don't know much, which is gonna be great because you're gonna school me, which is even gonna be even more fun. Um but in terms of you know B2B tech companies getting into PR or realizing they need it or trying to figure out how to how to begin. Let's start with simplicity. Is this something that they should do if they're that small, if they're more in the startup range? Is that something they should do in-house? Should they look for an agency? What, where should they start? Well, for a small tech company, um, they either start with a, if they're that small, they start with a consultant who knows what they're doing or hire a small agency because unless you know how to do PR, you're not going to be able to do it yourself. And I've had CEOs be like, why can't I email the editor myself? That's just a no-no. You know, that just shows, it's like you need someone to represent you. So, uh, you know, for tech companies who are looking to get into PR, I would definitely say look for a specialist and not just any PR person um, and look for someone who can provide you guidance because there are some you know, every company is different. Some companies want their, you know, headshot on the cover of Forbes, which is great for your ego, but you'll probably get the sale you want from a technical byline that's placed in a technical magazine. So you want that right consultant that's going to guide you in terms of, do you want to increase awareness or do you want to increase sales or do you want to do both? So you can have a multi-pronged strategy. You but I would definitely say they, they shouldn't, unless there's someone who knows how to do PR. And I'm not just talking about a marketing manager because they won't know because there is a certain way to talk to editors and editors, you know, are underpaid and overworked. <laughs> so they don't have time for people who don't know what they're doing. 
<laughs> yeah, that was obviously my question. Have you said that's a big no-no for just anybody to show up and call on editors? And so it so yeah. you're talking about somebody who knows what they're doing. They're doing when they is it because they've created relationships? Is it because they've talked their language? Is it a bit of both? Like it, it's because they understand the product, they know how to sell the product. It's because they know who covers that uh industry. It's because you look at what that report has written. You look at, is this something that reporter is going to write about? So if it's completely out of his beat, you're wasting that guy's time. And trust me, they hold grudges sometimes. They won't forget. <laughs> so if I, you know, I don't just pick up the phone call and call the breaking desk of CNN when we have company news. Uh, but I know there are PR people who do that. <laughs> so you should hire someone who knows what they're doing um and you know if if they're really that small like 20 hours a week 15 hours a week that focusing just heavily on media pitching um and then the other thing i should say is like pr you're not going to see results in two three weeks i would give it at least two three months um, it doesn't really matter if you have a relationship with the reporter or not, just because you can build relationships with anyone. You know, I'm still friends with the reporters that I used to pitch 15 years ago, but I don't anymore, but we're still friends. Or I talk to reporters that I've never spoken to before and we become friends. So uh, as long as you know who you're pitching, what they're, what they're writing about, and as long as you don't waste their time, they will appreciate that. Because, you know, they are sitting there waiting for stories to come in. <laughs> oh, so they, they want you to, they want, they want. Yeah, to yeah, call, yeah. Because, because, because if a good story comes in, you know, if you look at it from the reporter's point of view, they don't have to go look for new stories. Oh, look, this PR person emailed me. This it looks interesting. Let me look into it. So you're actually doing their job for them. So provide them with something useful and um, you won't be disappointed. So you mentioned something around it takes, it could take months before you actually see the ROI on PR. Um, yeah. So I'm gonna ask a really stupid basic question. Um, There's no question is stupid. Uh, <laughs> well, well, let's see. <laughs> Why PR then? Why should anybody be doing PR? Uh, because how else are people going to know about your product? Because don't you want to be in the news? Doesn't everyone want to be in the news and in a positive way? Some brands launch their products on Instagram now. Mm -hmm. But if you're talking about an encryption platform that only talks to the government agencies... Um, yes, you can do, you know, targeted email marketing, etc. But you also want to be in the publications like government technology, so that the person, the decision maker is reading about it. Um, you know, why does Kim Kardashian want to be on the news? Why do they need PR? <laughs> well, now, not, talking about not all, not, <laughs> not all PR is good PR. I would, I'm a big believer in that. You know, I hear that a lot. Every, any PR is good PR. No, it's not. It's definitely not. Which, I, which in answering my own question, feels like PR 
from that standpoint, especially if you're talking about B2B and you're talking about cybersecurity, it's very, I don't want to say easy, but there's a, there's a risk of ending up in, in the news for, oh, not such a good reason. Um, security breaches. Well, sort of well, thing. So having PR in your back pocket to, to facilitate right. navigating that. Right. Like if you resume and the pandemic hits and you realize you haven't secured your security architecture, you're a bit screwed, correct? <laughs> so I would advise any company that's actually doing business with millions of people to make sure, you know, they <laughs> secure their endpoints. But the company I work for uh, prevents all of that. And we're completely zero knowledge, which means um, we can't be hacked, but like you would not get any data from us. So we're not lucrative like that. Um, so, and like I said, like SolarWinds, the biggest hack, their password was SolarWind123. They blamed it on an intern. So when you're a big company like that, um, there's really not excuse. <laughs> So I would say, um, yes, they should definitely have some crisis comms agencies ready. But what's better is to make sure you secure your endpoints, especially if you're dealing with data, with financial information, with credit cards, with PII, personal information. Because um, at the end of the day, you can get sued. Yeah. You know? Yeah, no, totally. Um, I mean, I mean, it's serious stuff. You know, we we hear about ransomware and like small businesses getting hit all the time that don't make the news because they want a couple of thousand here, five hundred here. But like, when a big breach happens and then there's a gas shortage and it, it and it impacts the consumers, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the Congress should be asking why. Well, what were you guys thinking that this happened? And it's so simple to prevent all of this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so, wow. so it's, um, you know, people just not thinking thoroughly. They are not. Um, yes. I want to I go back to what you said about finding a specialist, finding an, or an, and or an agency, or even if you were, if you are a big company bringing in house, there's, there's a lot of things you talked about in terms of what to look for. And I just want to break that down a little bit. Um, sure. It sounds like when you're looking for someone, you do need them to want to come in and really understand your product and what you do, especially in B2B when it's complexity. I mean, you're not selling a pair of shoes well, here. Of course, you can't hire a PR person who's been doing um, fashion PR to come in and understand a complex architecture. One, they wouldn't be interested. Two, they'd probably resign within two weeks. <laughs> and it's just something that you, you know, just like a salesperson, you got to like believe and like what you sell. So for me, for example, the companies that I've chosen to work for are the leaders in their industry. Or if they weren't, I make them because I like working for the leaders. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I don't expect much from life, but I, I take great pride in the work that I do. Um, but yeah, they should definitely hire someone that understands the product because when they get on a phone call with an analyst or an editor, 
they're going to get grilled because sometimes you have to brief the reporters yourself first. And guess what? Reporters read a lot and they know more than you. So you got to know, um, you, you got to know the story. Gotta you got to have an answer. Yeah. Yeah. Are there, do you find now that people are niching down from a PR standpoint where you, you could find like a really good partner, either at an agency or at a, in a specialist who would, well, it wouldn't be just B2B. It could be something like cybersecurity or FinTech or, I mean, are, I mean, there are agencies that specialize just in like cloud computing, cybersecurity. There are agencies that just specialize in fintech. There are agencies that just do like big brand, entertainment brands, etc. Um, I've been, uh, I'm on my third agency and I find that um, they get burnt out and I haven't been able to find an agency that can do B2B and consumer just as well. So, which is why I manage two agencies because one of them is just purely consumer and the other one's purely B2B because it's like a complete different beast, you know, like with the consumer, you're pitching like Valentine's Day, uh, like cute stories. And on the B2B side, it's like data breaches. It's, it, it's not the same um, time, you know, um, same vibe. Yeah. So and and I and I've sat through a lot of pitches uh, with agencies who are trying to do both, and I I was not convinced. Yeah. Yeah. So really making sure they know what it is you do and what you're talking, what that they can. Oh do yeah. It. Yeah. And that and then you know you get you 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 want a partner that cares about you. Like I've listened to pitches where I could tell like. Yeah, they did Google News, but they didn't do much digging into our brand and I've sat through pitches where I was like wow I, I, I we haven't even done this internally you guys are hired <laughs> so you know it's like passion goes a long way and that's how you know our CEO runs our company too like our employees are all in it like we like what we do um, and I think if you want to keep people if you want to be successful that's key yeah, no, I love that. Um, yeah. To not only care about the product, you know, the product and be able to speak to it from an industry knowledge standpoint, yeah. but to really want to understand you as a brand, like, yes to that. Yeah. And, um, you know, you got to have a good product because if you do PR, but your product sucks, PR is going to go so long. And then, you know, you, you'll secure a review opportunity with the um, consumer reports and they'll rip it apart speaking on personal experience and then the client will fire the agency but you know even even if you might have warned the client this is not ready for consumer reports you know it it is so you, you got to make sure your product is good yeah and, and that's i think when you need pr like pr comes last you know you announce everything once everything's done on the back end, everything's ready to go, everything's signed. And then the last thing is the PR because the last thing you want is uh, media ripping you apart because they're ruthless. <laughs> yeah, I, like you said, there there is bad PR and and you know, not all yeah. PR is good PR. Um, exactly. So in terms of, so you have the one side where they really understand you as a brand and a product and, and the industry. And then it sounds like there's a whole other side in terms of trying to make sure that 
they can put the right strategy in place for your needs that even though you yeah. want to end up on Forbes, they're able to push back <laughs> and be like, is that really the right spot for you? Like, yeah. <laughs> Here's the strategy we recommend. What is that strategy sort of, you mentioned a few tidbits around, you know, the types of magazines like government technology. Um, is there, is that really going that knit, you know, niche on it? Is it um, thinking about the different types of media you could be in? Is it what, what are you? Look, the, it, 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 yeah, it can't hurt, right? I like, I, I like to approach it as like a, ABM style, like ABM content, like account-based marketing. Mm -hmm. So hit all the verticals that you're selling to. Hit the business magazines as it's relevant because the business media is going to write about you once. Bloomberg is going to write about you once. And what is that one story? Um, New York Times is going to write about you once. They're not going to cover you every time. But, you know, if you're selling to all the different verticals like education, finance, et cetera, there's so many publications and they're, and they're always hungry for content. So I, I think you get a lot more um, fruit from those types of uh, publications. Like in October, it was Cybersecurity Awareness Month and we rebranded the back cover of Time Magazine. And it was a big branding event, a big, big branding um, opportunity. I'm not sure if it brought us any sales, you know, but it was something cool to do. Um, so we have some other campaigns that are in the works, uh, but where, where it's most successful is, you know, when we get written up in places like ZDNet or Dark Reading, because that's what our audience read, the CTOs, the CIOs, etc. And they, and they think those publications are credible. Uh, now, those people also read the, the Sunday Wall Street Journal. But then they're a higher investment crowd. So, you know, depends on uh, what the company is or where the company is headed. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you want to be mentioned in as many uh, niche publications as possible. In terms of the actual connections, because it sounds like there's a whole art to the relationship you build as a PR person. Um, I mean, how do you know when you're when you're vetting your agencies or your specialists and you're trying to find the right people how you know you're not getting somebody who's being like yeah yeah, yeah like i got this and they had the strategy piece and they, they clearly know your business but but are they going to actually get you into those publications well yeah well um gut feeling <laughs> i've been i've been in this business long enough that i can read people i can see even via zoom like their passion coming through and like I said, you give them two, three months and if they got nothing, you know, they're out the door and they know this. That's how agencies work. Mm -hmm. um, and if, if I'm having to write to my agency being like, what are you guys working on this week? That's an email you never want to get from a client. Luckily, none of my agencies get that. But I, I just know. I, I also have enough um, industry friends that I ask around. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah but but mostly like I can tell when someone's bullshitting me especially in PR no if someone says yeah yeah I got this that person is not getting hired if someone is telling me um I see what you're trying to do but to get there we're gonna have to do this would you be open to that that person is more likely to get the job because that means they've actually put some thought into it 
Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I just find it fascinating in how you talked about building relationships with the with the industry experts. It sounds like there's yeah. Some serious I mean, it's it's there. it's not just PR though. You know, like I've I've been living away from home for like twenty years. I'm still friends with the same high school people. Like my my whole world is like I I keep the relationships. Like I said, I'm still friends with reporters that I don't even pitch anymore and haven't seen in years. Um, so I think PR was just like a natural extension of my personality. I don't go out of my way. Like one of the, um, <laughs> I've heard this actually from a few people, which I take as a compliment. Oh, you're not like the other PR people I'm used to dealing with. <laughs> and I say, what do you mean? And they're like, well, you don't have a high pitched voice and you're direct and you're not like, oh my God, I would love for you to write this. Like, I don't talk like that, you know? So it's just, I, like I said, it, I, I, I'm in PR, but it's just, it comes with the personality. If you don't have the personality, uh, just like I notice when you're not, not you, but when someone's not genuine, the client is also going to notice that. Absolutely. Yeah. I remember this one time I drove to Boston um, and the guy was, and I was consulting and the guy was about to fire his third agency and he turns to me and we're in this big meeting. He goes, why am I not at Forbes? And I said, have you read your press releases? He goes, yes, why? And I said, well, cause I fell asleep. I'm like, you're not gonna get in Forbes with the type of content you're putting out. You know what he did? He turns to his marketing manager, he goes, See, this is what I want to hear. Why is my agency not telling me this? You're hired. They're fi you're firing. <laughs> <laughs> so, and most of the time, like people, that's what people want to hear. Yeah, you. They don't want to hear. Yeah, I'll get you on the cover of Forbes. They want to hear. Here's what you need to do to get there. Yeah, <laughs> and that goes a long way. I love what you said about how you speak to. You to your partners in, in the media world. Something you mentioned early on and in, in our conversations before this too, of like editors do not have time or energy. They are overworked and underpaid. So it sounds like when you show up, you gotta sort mm -hmm. of have that New York state of mind, <laughs> that lovely directness well, of yeah. what I got, well, I take it or leave it sort of thing. Yeah. Well, I don't pitch anymore, but when I used to pitch, when I used to pitch, you know, it's like, maybe a paragraph hey thought you might be interested in this you've covered this here's a story I have yes or no if I'm making a phone call you know it's like um you never call on a Thursday or a Friday they're on deadline you never call on a Monday morning um Tuesday around 11 Wednesday around 11 not before lunchtime maybe after lunchtime because if they've had good lunch then they'll be in a good mood <laughs> <laughs> um but then you say you know they pick up the phone and they'll know it's a PR person calling and the first thing you say is hey are you on a deadline if the answer is no they'll say what do you got and then you basically have 20 to 30 seconds to make a pitch so if you're not confident if you don't know your product if you're like oh my god this guy's talking to him so 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 I have this product he'll hang up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so you got to be on point. You got to know what you're talking about and you got to have no fear, basically. 
You gotta know your audience. And, and, and <laughs> you know, there's all this talk, like all these editors on Twitter, they're like, do not call me. I will not pick up the phone. I've never DM'd a reporter yet. Like, I don't DM just because, like, no, I'm going to call you. <laughs> and, you know, if, if they're annoyed or whatever, most of the time they'll ask a lot of questions. But most of the time we hang up the phone, like, laughing. And I kind of have a funny name. So it's like they remember me. Um, but when they don't like me, they still remember me. <laughs> That's not Which is... Yeah, which is fine. I don't care. <laughs> well, you said you said you're used to rejection. It sounds like in this industry, you, you gotta be. Yeah, you gotta be. Yeah, you have to be rejected. Like they get like 200 pitches a day. Come on, if you, if you can't, if you can't, I know I, I have reporter friends who've told me, I basically sit there and wait for pitches to come in, and I pick what story I want to write about. So. That, I mean, I, you know, I don't want to bash editors and they're totally overworked and I respect them. And I wish I had, a, you know, I wish I, I, I could write like that. But there are so many people pitching so many things. It's like they're overwhelmed, yeah. which is why you have to stand out and you get about like three seconds to catch their eye. You know? Yeah, it it's just like making a sale. Like, remember doing door-to-door sale? Um, uh, well, I do, not to give away my age. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you had 20 seconds and if someone liked what you said, like, it, you would sell it. Yeah. Yep. It is so PR, PR, PR is basically sales, except you're selling ideas, um, hopefully intelligent ones, which is why I like being in B2B. <laughs> Are the, are the PR agencies usually writing the the content or are they picking up from marketing? So I so I work I work with a copywriter who knows our messaging really well. The agencies will probably um, write the press releases. Sometimes I write the press releases, but you know, they'll do a first draft, then the copywriter and I will go over it, then our CMO will go over it, and then our CEO will approve it. So that's kind of like the process. So press releases are those, do you call up with the press releases? I'm sorry, I'm, this is a whole new world for me. Do you actually call up with the press releases or do you email them, like blast them out? Like- no, so you write a press release. So that's like an official announcement. It's basically, you know, keeper security announce X, Y, Z. You put it on the business wire, business wire or prnewswire.com at a certain time and uh, they, and then that gets distributed to every newspaper, whichever you selected, TAC or Nation, et cetera. So every news desk gets that official press release. And then once that press release is live or before it's live, if you want to do embargo outreach, you reach out to the editors and you say, hey, this news is about to hit the wires. Would you like an exclusive on it? But that press release is basically the official company announcement. Got it. Oh, yeah. The exclusive sounds good. That sounds like. Yeah. So does that mean they get to come? Yeah. So the exclusive is basically, yeah. So the, so there's embargo and exclusive. So if you want to give, let's say New York times or wall street journal, the exclusive, you reach out to them first and then you give them a day or two to say yay or nay. If they say nay, you move on to the next one. So there's, usually like three, four targets you would like exclusively um, focus on. 
And then embargo is you email a bunch of outlets saying, hey, this news is coming out on the 17th. Would you like to write about it? And they say, some of them say yes. And they write the article. So they are, all the articles come out on the same day the press release hits the wire. But the exclusive, if they take the exclusive, the exclusive will get published before the press release hits the wire. So they get the first one. Got it. So, so, the, so, you're, so you're like extending them a courtesy. Yeah. 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 That's how, yeah, that makes a ton of sense. Um, is there anything, any other last piece of advice you would give people who are looking to get into using a PR, using PR in general, whether that's an agency, a specialist? Um, using PR in general. Um, don't do PR um, for your own ego. <laughs> Hire a smart person who knows what they're talking about. Um, do not spam journalists. Do not waste their time. Um, have confidence and get ready to be rejected and or grilled about your platform or product or why it matters because that's the first question they're going to ask, like, why should I write about it? So, you know, if you have an answer for that, if you think your product or your brand is worthy enough for people to know, if it's especially if it's helping people, um, then I would definitely say, you know, look for a consultant or an agency. There are agencies that charge small retainers. There are consultants on Upwork. Um, you know, when I was consulting, I get a lot of gigs from there. Um, but also, you know, don't hire someone who's going to be like, yeah, yeah, I got this. I'll get your results in a month because they're going to be superficial results. Look for a longtime partner would be my advice. <laughs> Yeah. And have fun and, and and have fun with it, you know? Yeah, it's exciting. It's, yeah. It's exciting. That's awesome. Well, thank you for joining me. Before we wrap up here, I do have my people first questions because sure. as, as your story showed, um, you're more than just a marketer. So <laughs> three quick questions for you, Naz. Have you picked up any new hobbies? Uh, have moved to the UK in the middle of a pandemic? Yes, I started swimming because compared to the US, it turns out swimming pools are very affordable here. <laughs> it's true. It's so, so I've been true. going swimming. Um, I've been eating way too many Sunday roasts. <laughs> <laughs> I love the Sunday to one. So I totally yeah, I, I realize like food here tastes uh, so much better. Um, any other hobbies, you know, go. I, I actually went to Albert Hall yesterday, saw Cirque du Soleil, but like trying to do a lot of like historical things and um, just walking around a lot, like looking at well-dressed men and women. <laughs> so well-dressed, yes. Yeah. I thought where, where do you live in like London? I thought New York had like well-dressed people and then there's London. Well, well, New York has well-dressed people like 45 and up Park Avenue, Madison, mm -hmm. like Lexington, you know, Grand Central during rush hour yes. is great. Yes, <laughs> but um, yeah. 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 Uh meat meatpacking, but I don't like the crowd there. <laughs> yeah, Chelsea in the meatpacking district. Yep, that too. Yeah. But but where do you live in? Girl. Um, I actually live in Guernsey across the river, but 
Um, okay, cool. Yeah, I I, I'm in Chelsea. I've never seen more um, Aston Martins in my life. It's it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I believe uh, it. But yeah. I believe it. But yeah. Then, in New York, I lived uh, I lived in, near the East River, which was more my. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, I was um, by the L, by the Graham stop on a Metropolitan. And yeah. I had a really nice backyard, uh, had a lot of parties there. Because it's like, you know, people just show up, you have a garden, like, hey, I'm here. <laughs> Fresh air, please. Some greenery. Fresh air, Thanks. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, great talking to you, Libby. Now, if you want to do a part two, I'd be happy to join. If you If you want to talk about, like, life in general or marketing or content i do a lot of content yeah i execute like all of our like webinars and surveys and you know i'm yeah. here awesome thank you so much uh, it was so good to have thank you, you. that was my conversation with nazi kim what a story and a wealth of experience when it comes to the PR agent industry. If you'd like to hear more from Naz and continue to follow her journey, you can find her on LinkedIn. The link is in the show notes. Thanks for joining me, Naz. It was awesome to get to know you. And I'm so thankful that I have you in my network. What an honor. What an honor. And thank you for tuning into this episode of season 11. In the final episode of this season, I chat with Jim Mitchell. Talk about a wild ride. He's got a great story and a deep passion for cybersecurity, especially for those companies on fast track growth, meaning you're getting uh, huge rounds of funding left, right, and center. And Jim and I dig into, uh, into the challenges of that and the pitfalls of that and how companies can do better in, in, and, and with that money they get. So stay on and autoplay will take you there. This episode is brought to you by MKG Marketing, our digital marketing agency that helps cybersecurity and data companies get found via transparent, measurable digital marketing. It's hosted by me, Carrie Gard, CEO and co-founder of MKG. Music, mix, and mastering done by Austin Ellis. And if you'd like to be a guest, please visit mkgmarketinginc.com to apply. <laughs>